Welcome to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software in production successfully. We cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting those systems. I'm your host, Mandy Walls. Find me at LNXCHK on Twitter. Welcome to episode 100 of Page It to the Limit. We're excited to have reached this milestone and have shared so many interesting stories with all of you. For this episode, we wanted to do something a little different. Really, there was just no way we could choose just one guest for episode 100. So we asked some of the longest serving PagerDuty employees to share some of their experiences and most memorable moments from their time here at PagerDuty. These Dutonians represent a broad spectrum of the company and have a lot of really great stories to tell. So the ones that didn't make this episode will be shared on our social media channels. Make sure you're following us on X, LinkedIn, and Instagram. In this episode, you'll hear from our co-founder, Alex Solomon, who's been on the pod a couple of times, Alyssa Leibowitz, Senior Director of Business Applications, Matt Spring, a staff systems engineer on our IT team in San Francisco, and Chapman, Strategic Alliances Director, our own Kat Gaines, Developer Advocate, and her onboarding twin, Jeff Montgomery, an enterprise account executive. They started on the same day back in 2014. Drew Bruton, who's our IT engineer helping out everybody in EMEA, and Alora Burns, a software engineer currently working on the notifications experience team. So these folks are from all over the company, and we are so glad they agreed to share some of their experiences and memories with us. So let's kick it off. We asked our guests how they came to be at PagerDuty. First, we'll hear a bit about PagerDuty's founding from Alex. So you're our superstar guest for the episode. Alex, tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to be at PagerDuty. Sure. I'm one of the co-founders. There were three co-founders in total. We started the company 14 and a half years ago, roughly. So back in February of uh, 09. So before PagerDuty, I was an engineer at Amazon. And that's where we got the original inspiration for PagerDuty because Amazon even back then was one of the pioneers of DevOps and of this concept of full service ownership, which means that as an engineer, you're uh, working on and building services in a service-oriented architecture. And you're not just uh, writing code, but you're also responsible for testing and deploying to production and, and managing and owning those services in production. Part of that responsibility is going on call for those services. And at Amazon back in the, you know, before the 2010s, engineers were given a pager and it was called being on pager duty because you had a pager and when you were on call, the pager would go off and you had to respond and log in and triage and fix the problem as quickly as possible. Otherwise, you know, first of all, it would get escalated to your boss, which was never a good idea, but also the service would suffer and customers would be impacted, which is definitely not a good thing. So I carried the pager. I saw the value of that. And after leaving Amazon, I got together with my two co-founders and uh, we were brainstorming ideas for the first month. The way we came up with the pager duty idea was by thinking back from our time at Amazon where Amazon built an internal tool to handle on-call management and paging via pagers, which was attached directly to the ticketing system. So if it was a SEV1 ticket or SEV2 ticket, it would those would be the major, or rather SEV1 or SEV2 incident, those would be the major incidents that would page out. You know, Amazon built an internal tool to handle this. Google had their own version of that. Facebook had their own version. So it seemed to us like there was a 
real problem here that could be applicable to other companies running services, you know, on the internet. And uh, we took a shot and started PagerDuty. The domain name PagerDuty.com was available. So like to joke that if it hadn't been, who knows if any of us would be here now. But yeah, started the company in 09. We launched the first beta version of the product in the summer of 09 and started getting customer feedback. And then the paid version came out in uh, December of 09. And then it's gone through a lot of different iterations. Our vision has changed over the past 14 years. Uh, we started with on-call management and alerting as the kind of that version 1.0 of PagerDuty. We then expanded to cover the full incident lifecycle end-to-end and became an incident management solution. Next, Kat talked to Ange Chapman about how she came to be at PagerDuty. And then I talked to Kat about her own PagerDuty origin story. Okay. Hey, folks. It's Kat again. I am here with Ange Chapman. And this one is actually a little special for us to record because the day that we're recording today, Ange, it's a pretty special day for you, right? It is so special. And I'm so happy to be here with you, Kat. I mean, we go way back to, but yeah, today is especially special for me because it is my 10-year PagerDuty anniversary. (laughs) Yes. And that worked out so well. 10 years, 100 episodes. Like, we couldn't have planned this better, I think. (laughs) I know, right? So serendipitous. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) So 10 years. Oh, my God. A lot has changed in that time. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about how, 10 years ago, you ended up at PagerDuty? How did you get here? Great, great question. (laughs) I love that. And I love storytelling too. And, you know, after 10 years, I've got a lot of them. So I'm so happy to be here and and to share them. I graduated University of Oregon in 2012. So go Ducks, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just like a major recession. And I was working in retail, actually, for one year. And I was super miserable. Like in San Francisco on a retail salary in a recession. Not great. Not the most fun. Yeah. Yeah. Not ideal. But I had big dreams, right? (laughs) So uh, one of my good friends was actually a recruiter. And she set me up with two tech interviews, which was awesome because she understood that I wanted benefits. And the first one was uh, actually at Dropbox, which was cool because I was super familiar with Dropbox having come you know, out of college, having used it. I'm like, oh, that seems really sparkly, like a cool tech company. <laughs> you know, they had a gym in the office, which I was like super stoked about. I'm like, whoa, you can work out like while you work. That's cool. <laughs> San Francisco tech scene. Um, But the second company was one with a weird name that I really didn't understand Mm -hmm. kind of the value. And that was, you know, PagerDuty. But I showed up on site to our tiny little alleyway office location, which was super hard to find, (laughs) by the way. I showed up and as I was waiting in the reception area for my initial interview, our founder came out who was Alex, you know, at the time and shook my hand and was like, I'm so happy you're here. It's so nice to meet you. And now looking back, I mean, that moment was pivotal because it really, it changed my perception of what I thought, you know, tech companies could be, you know, it could be like some 
shiny logo company, or it can be a small company with a weird name where the people (laughs) are really kind, you know? So I interviewed and I ended up wanting to work for Patriot Duty and we were 30 people at the time. So it was really small, but just that one gesture I think was really pivotal because it showed our cultural values and that meant a lot to me. Okay, now we're here with Kat Gaines. You've heard Kat before. She's one of our regular hosts on the podcast. So Kat, how did you come to work at PagerDuty? Yeah, it was really um, kind of just a random recruiter outreach for me. So it was a PagerDuty recruiter at the time reached out and just said, hey, we have this role in our technical support organization. I was doing technical support at another company at the time and pretty bored. (laughs) It had gotten a little static. And so it seemed like a good time to chat. And I came in, I met the team at the time. Everything was really small. Of course, we were like, I think like 60 people in the whole company, maybe. And so there was a lot of like meeting pretty much everyone in the San Francisco office when I came in. There was really no opportunity not to meet anyone. And then, yeah, I got offered the role and accepted it and was really excited because it felt like I'd had a few different technical support roles at a couple different companies in the couple of years out of college, but it kind of felt like my first real job, if that makes sense. Um, And so it was a nice kind of change of pace. So for the next section, we asked our longest tenured Detonians to talk a little bit about their career paths at PagerDuty. When you've been around a little while, you're bound to make a couple of changes along the way. So we heard from Matt, Drew, and Alyssa about their career stories. Go ahead and have a listen. I started as the first IT hire and had been looking for a position where I could be in that kind of a position because I had strong ideas about policy and process and wanted to be able to build it all from the ground up. Fast forward a little bit, we had hired another person onto the team, and then my manager started talking about hiring a manager for the team specifically because he was running a bigger department. And I got this like thing in my chest where I was like, I don't really want to be a manager. I've done it before and not my thing, but I'm not done building this team and still have stuff I want to do. So I asked if I could take over as the manager instead of hiring in somebody new, and my manager was okay with that. A few years later, I had five people reporting to me, and then we brought in our first VP of IT. And since that meant that I really wasn't going to be the last say on policy or process anymore, and I also didn't feel like I was doing great as a manager in terms of fighting for resources and that kind of thing. I asked if I could be moved back to an individual contributor role. And fortunately, that was totally an option. And that's what I did. And I've been back in an IC role ever since. You know, one of the things that I love about PD is the flexibility when it comes to keeping staff. Like I've seen so many people move from one team to another. Some places you might call it a step backward, but really it's just a different role. And it's always great to see good people stay because of flexibility like that. So when I started, uh, you know, I was relatively junior in doing IT work. So previous to PagerDuty, I was doing like customer support and doing like public facing technical support, like Geek Squad and Apple, things like that. So when I started, I was relatively junior to doing actual like corporate level IT work. Fortunately, you know, we had Matt Spring, who has been a 
phenomenal mentor over the years and, you know, is still here amazingly and thankfully. (laughs) You know, I learned so much working closely with Matt over the years and have just rapidly grown out my skills, you know, as I've worked here and still, you know, on an IC path, you know, you know, but having been promoted a few times since I've been here and then uh, as our space in San Francisco initially, and then as our EMEA team in London continued to grow out, I immediately raised my hand and went, Hey, I want to go to London. Can I go to London? And it took a couple of years to finally get the justification across, but then I was able to actually transfer out here and, and help support the uh, team here in London and actually now help get the Portugal team off the ground in Lisbon and spend a lot of time in Lisbon. And it's been a lot of fun. It kind of reminds me of when I first started, you know, and so when I first started, it was like less than a hundred people at pager duty. And, you know, when I, when I moved out to London, we were about 45 or 50 in the UK. And now we're 75 in the UK and like 120 in Portugal. It's been kind of the same, almost the same fun, rapid growth experiments when, you know, I first started nine years ago. Totally. Yeah. So um, I joined as a support agent, but I was one of two people not really working on the product. So there were a lot of other things to do that fell outside of what is considered a support agent's job description. So I would do everything from collections to marketing blog posts. I even did some sales in the early, early days, but kind of got to dip my feet in a lot of different areas and see what I liked, what I enjoyed, what I thrived in and what I was good at. And then as uh, we started to build out our first sales team, we acquired Salesforce as a tool and needed folks to manage those applications. And that's kind of where I found my calling or niche and started on the sales operations team, learned how to configure and manage Salesforce. And then once we continued to grow and evolve as a company, we built out a business systems team in the IT org. And that's where I've been since. Now that we've listened to some amazing career decisions, Let's hear from Matt and Kat on some of the biggest changes they experienced in PagerDuty since they joined. I sort of have to go with like the macro view on that. And when I joined, the company was almost entirely engineers. We did have people in other departments, but it was for sure engineering heavy. And we were still being run by the the three founders. So it's been amazing to watch as we built out all of the actual teams and departments for those functions. And again, that that we managed to keep a lot of the people that normally would have been out the door in the face of that kind of change, but who were instead empowered to find a new spot for themselves. And then in addition to like growing out those departments and the org, the international expansion has been a huge change. You know, when I started, there were a couple of people in Toronto, but otherwise it was all US. And now we're on multiple continents, which is pretty cool. And then seeing the founders own personal growth Two of them obviously are no longer here, having left by choice, and we've still got the one. And just seeing them start out as when I joined, they were kids who had an idea and thought if they could make 20K a year, they could go sit on the beach and have a drink. And to see them change from that into like actual executives who are for real grown up types with real jobs is pretty cool. I don't think that's something that a lot of people get to see. Yeah, I think it was like, a year or two ago that we had like our 13 year anniversary as a company and someone was like, Pager Duty's a teenager. And I think it's more accurate to say that we've grown up in that time. 
Like, I think we felt like kind of crazy all over the place teenager stage when I started. Like, everybody was doing a little bit of everything. It was just kind of, where's the process for this thing? Oh, there isn't one. We have to figure it out. That kind of stuff, right? And so I think I've seen those types of changes where it's like just kind of very scrappy, like we're figuring things out to now things are very established and like there are like ways for people to do things that make sense to obviously just like growth in size, both from the employee perspective and the customer perspective. Like I remember early on, we were really excited at like our couple of big name customers. And those were the ones we were always talking about. Now it's like, ah, there are like a number of those we can talk about at any given point. And that's like a pretty cool thing. And then I think too, like the changes in the product, like it was very much just like an on-call tool when I started. And that was a great thing. And now there are so many different features to the product that make that core functionality useful for other people, but then also give them other bells and whistles to play with. That's been really cool to see too. I think one of the things that like really excited me about PagerDuty when I was joining was seeing kind of interesting non-traditional use cases. And we've like catered more to some of those non-traditional use cases over the years. And we've been trying to, I think, listen to what those folks need. And that's been really cool to see. For someone who joined recently like I did, it's really important to hear from tenured members of PagerDuty that the company has become mature and achieved growth without losing its great culture. Still, there is one point in time that I'm really curious about, the IPO. Let's hear some IPO stories from Matt, Jeff, Kat, and Angela. Yeah, so I, I tried to think through, and there's you know there's funny things, and there's serious things, and there's stuff that's work-related, and there's stuff that's social. Um, but what I decided was probably the thing to call out was when we got listed on the New York Stock Exchange, and leadership invited a bunch of the more tenured employees to actually travel there for the opening bell that day. And I've never heard of another company doing that. I'm sure others have, but it's one of those experiences that I can't imagine I would have gotten somewhere else and really made me feel like part of the company to be included in that. I think the somewhat the end of quarter or, or end of fiscal, maybe like the first end of quarter, being a sales rep and having things and just feeling the excitement in the office, like when it's the end of the quarter or end of the fiscal year, my first one, my first year, which is obviously my, my first you know, closing sales job, I'd say that. But I think it would have to be generally when we were all in, in New York for the IPO four and a half years ago. And you know everyone's tired from flying out from West and the night before, but talking to some, some longtime customers there and a lot of whom who had been using PagerDuty for years across multiple companies. So kind of that leading into the Thursday morning up early, just kind of standing in the background of CNBC, waiting for everything to start trading, which you know, took a couple of hours. But I think just that moment of seeing the inflection point in the company and, and knowing that we had been there for almost five years at that point. But yeah, just being there for that and experiencing that was, was something that I'll, I'll always remember. Okay, we came up with these questions together. And I was thinking about this one and struggling so hard <laughs> recording. I have no reason to not have an answer. I do have an answer, but it was kind of like, oh my God, which one do I pick? It's probably going to sound a little cliche, but probably our IPO because that was really freaking cool to see like, okay, here is a turning point in this company. And here's like, all right, we're in the big leagues now kind of moment. And then to actually get to like be there and experience that, not 
everybody got to go because that just would have been unwieldy, I think. But there were a certain number of like tenured pager duty employees who got to go. And I felt lucky to be in that group. And it was just kind of like being there with people I'd worked with for years already at that point and just kind of being like, hey, look at this thing that all of us and everyone who isn't here did together. And just kind of like having that celebratory moment. It was a very like, just nice warm, fuzzy feeling of community and everyone being really stoked about the future. And it was also 2019. So it was before everything got really weird. (laughs) And it was one of the like, last big in person things with this company that I remember doing. And so it was kind of pivotal for that reason, too. Kind of bittersweet, weird, but definitely a, a favorite nice thing. Yeah, I think the transition from like a startup to a public company was huge. Having gone like from this, you know, 20 something year old sitting at the reception desk, and then in 2019, standing at the stock exchange floor watching like us go public was pretty cool and very humbling. And I have chills even thinking about it. What a great experience. And just knowing the amount of like work and effort that we all put behind it as a team was really cool to see. And then some people say, oh, this is the finish line, but it's really not like that. When we became public was really when the hard work started, I would say, you know, and that felt like a new kind of moment for us. It was like, okay, we're big kids now. (laughs) For our next question, we wanted folks to reflect on their favorite moments at PagerDuty throughout their tenure. So you'll hear from Elora, Drew, and Angela about those favorite moments next. One of them was early on doing hack days. I joined an acapella band, Countermeasure. Uh, you can find them at countermeasuremusic.com. Uh, you can find us there, albums, YouTube videos, and all that. And we'd just done a concert with the Toronto Northern Lights Barbershop Chorus, which is a 70-ish person strong barbershop style choir. They are incredible. Definitely look them up as well. They've got one video up and they're all wearing vegetable costumes, but it's an incredible song. It's amazing. I highly recommend it. I had the idea, hey, you know, barbershoppers love to do, they call it singing tags. They will sing just the ending of a song. The ending of a barbershop song tends to be a little more complicated, a little more special. It's a nice little treat at the end for you. And at the end of a concert, they'll have what they call an afterglow. They'll have a party afterwards, pretty much invariably. And what they'll do at the party is sing tags. You'll just get random groups of four people. If you don't know the tag, they'll teach you. And then you just sing tags together. And I thought, well, that's cool. And they're short and catchy. We should have those for when you get paged at night. And so I found a bunch of tags on a a website, barbershoptags.com probably, uh, and transcribed one that uh, I had an audio track for because I really loved that particular one and wrote pager duty lyrics for all of them. The server's on fire, on fire, and the network's down, all that stuff. It was hilarious. And I managed to snag three other people into doing it. And one hack day, we recorded in one of the rooms at uh, 22 Duncan at the first PagerDuty office I was in. Uh, We're on to our fourth since I started in Toronto. Yeah, we recorded this thing. And between me and uh, and Peter Sobot, we did some timing and did some pitch correction because you know we want these to sound really really good and they got put into the mobile release it was me luke irving and peter that has continued to live on some customer's kid then submitted a little song something's broken something and it's your fault and you know that we inspired a kid to do that is amazing i love that we actually held then a, a competition for hey you know submit the best alert tones 
And I probably shouldn't have, but I did submit an entry to that and it ended up winning. So if you go listen to the on-call Take the Fall, that is a cappella. It's just my voice, multi-tracked again and again. Where the barbershop is very acoustic, it's what you would hear if we were in the room with you. On-call Take the Fall is processed. There are effects and and layers and, and everything like that. And I like it particularly because it starts off slowly and it builds and it builds and then it smashes in. And that way, if you hear it, you can stop it in time before it wakes anyone up. You don't catch it, it will wake you up. It will get, it will get there. Uh, it was very specifically designed to be the one alert tone that, that crept up on you. I also got to go to San Francisco in the marketing budget because of those barbershop tones. There was a guy who was doing a presentation at Mind the Product. He wanted to showcase, hey, you know, the barbershop thing is really cool. It's a thing that a company does that doesn't really tie into profit or usability. It's just a fun. Th- and he was, oh, Patriot is in San Francisco and contacted us. And yeah, marketing said, hey, this would be great. Yeah, sure. You can go. And we got four of us to go. I think there were only two of us left from the original four. So the two of us went and then we got two other people to join in and we did live performance at Mind the Product of the songs. We used to hang out in the office. We used to have, uh, was it Thursday nights? I think it was. We, uh, Alex and all the, and a bunch of the engineers, and I usually would tag along. Would uh, We kind of had a local bar in San Francisco called Doc's Clock. And I think it was most Thursdays we would, at the end of the day, we would usually end up at Doc's Clock. And I don't know if that photo is still around, but there's actually one famous photo of a Roop who used to be our director of infrastructure. Uh, he left a couple of years ago, but uh, you know he helped really shape the engineering team in the early days. And there's a there's a picture of a group sitting with the operations team on the curb outside of Doc's Clock because they all got paged on a Thursday night while we were out having drinks. There's a picture of of like all of them sitting on the curb outside Doc's with their laptops out trying to respond to an incident. It was a great photo, <laughs> and I wish we could dig that up. I'm sure it's floating around somewhere, but it was a great photo. <laughs> yeah, I would say like at any event too like I've had such fun memories but one in particular that kind of like resonates with me was at our uh, London Connect event gosh I don't even know the year but we showed up on site and it was hard because I didn't do site visits or anything I booked the Ace Hotel in Shoreditch in London, which was like a cool hip venue. And I booked this room and they said that like the seating capacity was 70, but I showed up on site like the day before, you know, flew in from London and the room was wall to wall chairs. Like there was no (laughs) tables and it was just chairs like, no, and I'm like, this isn't like safe whatsoever. But our geo lead at the time, Steve Barrett, love him. He kind of stepped in and, and helped me like rearrange things. And this is the night before, but then I was hanging up window clings. You know what I'm talking about? Like the graphics on the windows and he and a sales rep and Lisa, you know, one of the Alex's executive assistants helped me just like set up window clings the night before this event, like putting pager duty graphics on the Ace Hotel and really like making it special and just knowing that like a VP was there or a geo lead and, and my team was there to help support kind of mediate the event chaos And, you know, with events, it's always a toss up, but that was pretty cool to have that support. We also wanted to ask something random and fun. 
that swag. Whether it's t-shirts, socks, or tchotchkes, folks love swag. So we asked everyone for their favorite PagerDuty branded item. Alex mentioned one that's also my favorite, the shirts with the slogan, don't hate the pager, hate the game. Those are an absolute classic. Here's what Alyssa and Jeff had to say. I do. I have so many t-shirts and everything that now have unapproved logos on them, you know, as we've evolved. I think my favorite pager duty swag has to be the rain jackets we got when we IPO'd. That's been my most used item. I bring it on all my trips and it's easy to pack and always very helpful if you get stuck in the rain. So I I really enjoy that one. (laughs) Yeah, there's been so many different slogans and t-shirts, some that have lasted longer than others, but the pager duty onesie for my daughter, who's now you know, almost 18 months and her little, you know, she has a little stuffed animal pagey. That makes me also reflect how long it's been and how many different points of my life I've experienced at, at PagerDuty. So I'd probably say those, those two. PagerDuty has got amazing swag indeed, but let's hear from Jeff and Angela what they are most excited about regarding PagerDuty in their future. With COVID or being a little more restricted for a few years and as a sales rep, like I kind of can get energy from other other people and I like, you know, sharing things with with other people, going out and meeting with with customers or, or prospects. And I think that's a general future thing. The fact that this year we've been able to do that a little bit more and, and that face-to-face interaction is really important and something I I enjoy. So that's more of a general future at PagerDuty. But I think with PagerDuty also, I think I alluded to some of the growth in, in the different products, but not to overly use generative AI, which I think is a buzzword. A lot of people are, are using that generally, but just seeing where else we can go outside of paging, you know, on-call and escalations and really showing customers exactly how we can drive value for their organizations and that can um, be a, a challenge, kind of rethinking how people think about you. But that's a uh, yeah, challenge I, I'm eager to accept and continue doing. So those things, just having PagerDuty become a really multi-product company and continuing to see these customers grow are a couple pieces I'm excited about. I'm so excited for what's coming next. Yeah. So 10 years, I'm like, oh, I've you know, own the AWS Alliance, which has been amazing. I've learned so much and just working with partners and our executives on that. Been doing it for four years, but I am actually moving to our Portugal office. I'm relocating because I asked, you know, like I'm super excited about the opportunity. The leadership team there is amazing, you know, like product and marketing focused, Um, And just to have kind of that satellite, smaller company exposure, though, to moving from our HQ in San Francisco over the past 10 years to kind of get back to that and and learn more things, too, about like a, a market that I'm not familiar with and our customers, more importantly, over there. And to learn Portuguese. I'm excited for that. And to to just live in Lisbon, I think, is an awesome opportunity. So I'm really, really excited for the next chapter. And that wraps us up for episode 100. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us on the first 100 episodes of this podcast. And thank you to our guests today for joining us and sharing your favorite pager duty memories. We're really looking forward to hopefully the next 100 and more episodes of Page It to the Limit.
that does it for another installment of Page It to the Limit. We'd like to thank our sponsor, PagerDuty, for making the podcast possible. Remember to subscribe in your favorite podcatcher if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes at pageittothelimit.com, and you can reach us on Twitter at pageittothelimit using the number two. Thank you so much for joining us, and remember, uneventful days are beautiful days. Hey!